Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Kristen Eichhammer. And back in studio with us today is wife, mother, and Heritage Foundation Senior Communications Manager, Marguerite Bowling. Marguerite, thanks for being back. Thanks for having me. Well, we talked at the beginning of the show last week about how, you know, really... The beginning of fall is technically September 22nd this year, but we are sitting in studio today with pumpkin spice lattes. So maybe maybe fall has started. And Trader Joe's has all their all their fall stuff in, which maybe that's the true mark of the beginning of fall. (laughs) When you can pick up anything pumpkin spice latte at like any store, that's when you know. Because Target's doing it. Not that we support Target. No, but we don't support Target. Definitely getting the Instagram ads. <laughs> they still target us, even though we no longer shop there. Okay, exactly. Which is a real struggle. The struggle is real. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, we really need a, I mean, obviously it'd be nice to have a store that had true values, but just a store that wasn't crazy woke that sold all of the basics that you need, like a, a Target or a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And like, hmm. So anyway, if if any of our listeners out there want to start such a store, Hit me up on Instagram and let me know because I'll shop there. Yeah. Need some entrepreneurs. Really? Made though. in America. Made in America. <laughs> All right. Well, Kristen, we have uh, some great plans for today, including a little bit more conversation about pumpkin spice lattes. So go ahead. Let us know what we have queued up. Yeah. This is our pumpkin spice episode, Ooh, you know, in, in, love it. in the spirit of all things fall. But <laughs> up on today's Problematic Women, we give you a hot take on Starbucks and government spending. And have you noticed that mainstream media is blaming climate change for every natural disaster these days. Plus, the crisis at the southern border costs a woman the life of her daughter and mother. We share her story. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Women of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find those stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. All right, like I said, pumpkin spiced episode. We've got a lot going on today. <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure what happened because you're right. The start of fall is September 22nd. Yeah. But this year, Starbucks was actually the, the longest stronghold and they rolled out their pumpkin spice latte August 24th. Um, August 24th. A whole month before fall. Literally. And I mean, I think Trader Joe's was early August. It's actually insane how much the cinnamon and spice is coming out this year. <laughs> um, but exciting, right? Because it's the 20th anniversary of the pumpkin spice latte. And I was reading an article and apparently um, Starbucks headquarters has a liquid lab where they, you know, test all of these flavors Mm. and kind of figure out what's going to work, what's not. Really, really exciting stuff. And personally, I was actually in Chicago the day they rolled the pumpkin spice latte out. I made a cute little reel that I'm very proud of that's not very good. but um, Rolled it out this year or rolled it out 20 years ago? So I this year. Okay. This okay. year. Yes. Clarification. I was, 20 years ago, I was like I was seven. like, I don't think Instagram was around 20 years ago. No, no. Kristen was ahead of the time. I was. Just... I really, and my parents didn't care about a caffeine addiction. They weren't worried about it. Um, no, but so this year, I was in Chicago at their Starbucks Reserve, which is like one of those exciting, cool places. They have all these exclusive flavors and exclusive items. And um, I had a pumpkin spice latte cake and 
latte latte and it was oh. amazing oh. it was so good a little jealous i yeah it was it was a time to be alive but um what i i found very interesting and our hot take for today is for those who maybe haven't been paying attention um appropriations season is also underway um aka government spending fights exactly government spending fights and we're seeing the house and the senate kind of battle but we're also hearing the same talking point over and over again that the united states is nearing 33 trillion with a t dollars in debt and I mean, no surprise to us. If you go to Trader Joe's, you probably notice that things have increased in price, which is insane because Trader Joe's never increases in price. Mm -hmm. But um, also, you're just noticing that everything's increasing. Like, we've got mortgages that are up to 7.09%, the highest since 2002, which is, you know, close to when the... the pumpkin spice latte was rolled out yeah um we've got credit card delinquencies so people not paying their credit cards at a rate of 3.8 percent and um, i mean defaulted car loans hit 3.6 percent and both those numbers are a 10-year high Mm. but what scared me the most in terms of statistics is we actually spend two billion dollars a day on interest on that 33 trillion dollars of debt two billion a day and if you break that down it's six dollars per person per a day, aka a six dollar and thirty three cent pumpkin spice latte. Oh my god! So you guys could have a pumpkin spice latte every single day forever with the amount that we're spending on debt. Oh my word! And that's just interest. That's just mm-hmm. interest. That's just interest. That's yeah. not even principle. Well, that's a depressing way to enjoy this pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> <this morning. laughs> Just sipping debt is Just, essentially what you're saying. Ooh, I love that. Sipping debt. <laughs> but yes, that is, take that to your happy hour. I'm not sure what you guys think, but yes, a little little depressing, but at least it's pumpkin spice. Yeah. Well, and as, as we head into this spending fight in Washington, D.C., of course, there's all these rumors about maybe there'll be a government shutdown. And I was uh, speaking with um, one of our experts here at the Heritage Foundation, Richard Stern, on the Daily Signal Top News podcast. And he was saying that people make a really big deal at a government shutdown. So he's like, you know what? The things that have to get done in the government will continue getting done. And there there is a point where it's like, okay, there has to be a putting the foot down and saying we're not going to spend ridiculous amounts of money on programs that are broken and don't work, that there has to – money is leverage in Washington, D.C., to put it frankly. And people use it um, to put pressure and to get bills passed that need to be passed. So, yes, expect to hear in the news lots of foreboding language about a government shutdown. Don't freak out. We're going to be okay. We've had it, what, a handful of times within the past decade. I love how Richard puts this stuff because he's very, uh, very real about the the budget. And it's it's a partial government shutdown. Usually it's a paid vacation for federal workers because mm-hmm. they usually always get paid in back pay mm-hmm. for when they're off. Uh, traffic is lighter in D.C., so there are some benefits. So, benefits for us. You know, yeah. the only thing, and I was I was here on a school class trip during the shutdown in the 90s, is none of the uh, museums are open. So mm. maybe that's what that we feel sad. like. I remember during the Obama years, they put up fences around the open air monuments because they were really trying to make people feel the pain of the shutdown. Um, so it's just it's just a facade. This is just playing the game in Washington. And the, this is how they do it. And they want to freak out the country that somehow the, the economy is going to implode. Our economy is being manipulated by now by the budget, mm-hmm. by the federal government that sits there and spends out of control. I mean, inflation numbers just came out this morning. We're paying 3.7 percent more than last year. 
E.J. Antony ran the numbers and found out we're paying more in, in the inflation tax than we are in federal income taxes right Ooh. now. Ooh. It's insane. Oh, my God. We pay so much in federal yes. income tax. Yeah. I think, oh, that one hurts. To your point, too, I was in the Trump administration when they did the partial shutdown, and apparently NASA's not an essential organization. It's fine. <laughs> whatever. But that meant I didn't get a paycheck for about six weeks. and. Sure. I was scared because, you know, sure. I'm 20 some, I'm early 20s. Yeah. And I don't have a big cushion. Yeah, right. I don't have a huge cushion. Um, and I just remember everyone was like, go enjoy yourself. Go home. You're going to get the money. Yeah. And that is the attitude. And it's scary because we're basically mm. creating this system that is just empowering like this to never for federal workers right. not to work. And I mean, that's one of the things Project 2025 is leaning into, not to give that a plug, but also to. But yeah, it's it's very wasteful. This is what we mean when we say drain the swamp. And it's, it's just scary. One other quick little stat um, that I've heard, and I need to fact check this, but um, Richard said that it was pretty much like pretty much real. Um, the amount we're spending annually on this interest on the debt actually equates to the Defense Department's budget. So ooh, mm. we could have a second Defense Department with the amount we're paying on interest. Ooh, so ooh. let that sink in. Yeah. It kind of hurts. <laughs> so sobering. Well, we have um, we we promise we'll. Well, we started fun today, so I <laughs> like some of our shows are a little more depressing than others. We we do have, we're hitting some heavy topics today, but just keep the pumpkin spice in mind. You know? It's fall; everything's great. <laughs> maybe yes. maybe go go get yourself a cup of pumpkin spice while you listen to this. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are going to be hitting the topic of climate change here in a second, but first, I want to tell you all about one of my favorite ways to keep up with the issues that I care about. So if you're anything like me, you enjoy watching entertaining clips, educational clips on YouTube. But sometimes it can be really hard to know what information is actually well-researched and trustworthy on YouTube. And that's where the Daily Signal YouTube channel comes in. We are constantly posting new videos that are designed to keep you up to date on the news that you care about and give you data and facts really succinctly. The Daily Signal YouTube channel features policy explainer videos, documentaries, entertaining clips from podcast interviews, and so much more. So go ahead, and subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel so that you stay informed on the issues that you actually care about. Well, like we have said, fall is approaching, or maybe according to some, it's already here, depending upon where you live. But apart from pumpkin spice and scarves and boots, the end of summer slash the beginning of fall brings something else with it, and that is hurricanes. Yep, it's hurricane season and not the, you know, fun drink from New Orleans. It's uh, totally different. <laughs> Everyone in Florida is like, I hate you. <laughs> no, hurricane season, we're seeing some some major tropical storms hitting. I feel like we just were talking about the last hurricane, Hurricane Idalia. Oh, yeah. And we're already starting to see some more storms from the Atlantic. Yeah. That'll probably hit New England and then Margo's out there and that's something to keep an oh, eye on. Margo. I didn't even know Margot was a thing. <laughs> Where are these coming? Isn't that the, it's an alphabetical. It system. is alphabetical. It's alphabetical. So, yeah. Um, that's like halfway a little more. Yeah. Dang. Quite a few storms. Wow. It is hurricane season. We're in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, you know, 
hurricane season, June to November, it's not exactly a, a falling with our normal seasons. And um, every year we see about 10 tropical storms uh, hit the United States, um, six becoming hurricanes. And it was interesting, I actually visited NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And they said every three years, roughly five hurricanes strike the U.S. coastline with two categorized as major hurricanes with winds greater than 110 miles per hour. And that is the Atlantic coastline, mm-hmm. um, just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, kind of scary. But again, I, I looked at NOAA and I was trying to see because is this consistent? Are we seeing a huge increase in hurricanes? And it, it's pretty consistent. We actually saw more hurricanes in like the mid 2000s, so mm-hmm. 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really a, a trend um, that is kind of consistent, mm-hmm. um, which is not something we're hearing from the news. That's right. Every time that you hear about a new hurricane, even though we've had hurricanes for forever, right now there, there's often sort of some cause that's thrown out. People will say, oh, it's, you know, maybe because of this factor and climate change. And we just are constantly pummeled with this narrative of we're seeing an increase in hurricanes, we're seeing an increase in natural disasters because of climate change. Why do you all think that climate change has become the go-to narrative? First of all, when they're saying climate change, they're meaning man-made climate Mm -hmm. change. And climate change, I feel like, is just a euphemism for global warming because the earth wasn't warming fast enough to back up their facts. So we change it to climate change. The climate is always changing. We're going to hit our mark every time. It doesn't matter if we're wrong. We can say we're right. Right. These are the same uh, weather predictors of the 70s who said we're going to have global cooling and we need to we need to we need to manipulate how you live your life so that we can control the environment. It's such hubris. I mean, there's such arrogance. And I think, you know, the left likes to take a mile instead of an inch. And Noah and a lot of scientists, you know, trust the science. We um, (laughs) see them explaining that hurricanes, they kind of start off as like a tropical wave. So like a really big wave. In warm ocean waters and then a thunderstorm and that wave combine and they create, you know, this huge storm that just grows and grows and grows. We see it a lot in the Atlantic because of how the water gets warmer as it progresses towards the United States or any coastline for that matter. The water is going to get warmer due to like just decreased depth. So I feel as though, you know, they see that warm ocean waters and they're like, oh, you know. It's warming. Everything's warming. The temperature of the ocean, the average temperature is increasing. So therefore, climate change is causing these. But mm-hmm. in all reality, it's pressure changes. And there's a mm-hmm. lot more to it than that. We yeah. just And also the a... wind patterns that are coming in, hitting the water. And these storms are so unpredictable, too. Sometimes they sputter out and they do nothing. You know, we can predict that they're going to be a Category 4 hitting the coast. And then they, they don't. They lessen. Sometimes they speed up. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like it takes people by surprise. You know, I was through Hurricane Hugo in 89 in South Carolina. I was 35 miles inland and the eye of the storm went over our house. It was mm-hmm. that voracious of a, mm-hmm. of a storm. You know, so it's these things are unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, we have great technology to at least track them and have a better idea than like those poor people in Galveston that just got mm-hmm. wiped out yeah. by the mm-hmm. hurricane. Um, but we still don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that, Marguerite, and the fact that there is so much unknown about hurricanes, natural disasters, and it's something that's really out of our control. Mm -hmm. And it it devastates people, though. It devastates their lives. It destroys their homes. It takes lives. And there's a part of me that wonders, are people beginning who are, are not 
experts who are not responsible for creating the narrative, but just have people kind of embrace the climate change narrative of hurricanes as a way to somehow rationalize Mm -hmm. and make some sort of sense out of almost that age old wrestle that we all have of why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. And it creates this explanation of, Oh, climate change, and we can do something about climate change uh, theoretically, according to the left. With you know, right. if we all stop driving cars and don't right. have children and don't eat meat, then mm-hmm. maybe we can quote unquote save the planet. And so it's this grasping for control of okay, well maybe we can just stop having these horrible things happen if we fix quote unquote climate change. Right. It's I and the left's solution is basically paganism where it's like, well, if you atone for your sins and we've decided your sins are like you said, eating meat, having children, driving gas powered vehicles, then we'll be able to change the climate and and these things won't happen. But they will. I mean, yeah, bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. Um that's just a reality in our life. Yeah. And there is no place in the United States where you're not going to find some sort of weather phenomenon, mm-hmm. whether that's earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, bad thunderstorms. I mean, it, you're you're never going to be free of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even just think about the recent natural disasters that we've seen right. both in America and across the world that Climate change has been a factor that people bring up, whether it's the hurricanes, um, the fires, the wildfires mm-hmm. in Maui, the the flooding in Libya, mm-hmm. the earthquake in Morocco. We are so inundated with so much bad news about things happening, not just in our immediate proximity world, not just in our country, but literally globally, which kind of begs the question – Do you all think that as people, we were ever meant to be this aware of the tragedies that are happening across our world, literally receiving minute by minute, play by play, these are the death counts, uh, these are the number of homes destroyed? Were we supposed to be this aware? I mean, I think what's insane to that point is... You said that, and the first thing that popped into my head is, like, we're live streaming streaming the war in Ukraine, right? Mm. Like, we are literally live streaming that. We know exactly what's happening. Soldiers have phones. And I think it's kind of scary how much information we have access to um, and what we do with that information, Mm. right? Because it's really easy to form an assumption based off of someone you trust online, but then actually digging into the facts, which is kind of why I brought up the the facts about hurricanes. Um, there are some facts about earthquakes out there, like um, some of the worst have happened in, again, the mid 2000s. Um, but we only really see one to two major, major, major earthquakes worldwide. And I think people, they see it on the news. Obviously, it sells. You know, we've got people on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, et cetera, and their numbers bump up when they have that little ranking in the bottom corner, just like they did for COVID with accounting the the deaths, the lost, et cetera. We saw that with the Maui coverage. And I think it's because people are frankly just really interested in the numbers without wanting to do the work to actually dig into that. So mm. It's awesome that we have this access to information. I think people are very interested um, to learn more, but they're not willing to put the work in to actually find the facts for themselves, which is what's most concerning. Yeah, there's a lack of context. So we think of things in our lifetime, but we don't go back and say, well, what's the history of this? Is this really something that's, you know, trending up or are we just doing that because it sells, you know, the headlines get clicked on? And it's the same thing for we have all this information. Well, what are you going to do with it? You know, some of it you're just going to have to push out and just 
you know, let go of. But if there's something close to home and you can be someone who goes out and helps, helps in your community, let's say you have a bad storm, you go out and you help your neighbors, you know, you're doing something good with that. Um, and maybe you're aware that a storm's coming in and you should prepare for that. And I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of just, you know, having your emergency supplies available, mm-hmm. checking in on your neighbors, doing those kind of things. Those are concrete action steps you can take rather than just sitting there being anxious and worried and paralyzed and basically not doing anything. And that's I feel like that's where the mainstream media wants us to be a lot of times because we're easier to control. Yeah. Well, and fear sells. It it does. And they use that and they play on that. And and in part, uh, I think as consumers, it's our job, too, to not to not give too much credence to those things, because the more you click, the more they will feed it to you. Mm. (laughs) Right. And there is good news out there, but good news doesn't sell. You got to dig for it. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's so true. All right. Well, I want to take um, uh, a few minutes today just to talk about an issue that you have all seen in the news, you've heard about, and that's not going away anytime soon. And that is what is happening at America's southern border. So like I mentioned during our, our ad read that, you know, on YouTube, we share so many great pieces from the Daily Signal. And one of the things that we love to do here is really tell personal stories of how what is going on in our world, what's happening in Washington, D.C., the policies that are decided in Washington, D.C., how those affect real American lives. And so we uh, we became aware of a woman named Elisa Tambunga. She's a mom who lives in Texas. And unfortunately, Elisa Tambunga has been deeply and personally affected by the crisis on our southern border. And so myself and some of my colleagues on our digital productions team, we went down to Texas and I had the opportunity to just sit with Elisa and hear her story for a documentary piece that we produced and Elisa's story, it, it really is heartbreaking. So she is a mom. And on March 13th, Elisa, she dropped her seven-year-old daughter off at her her mom's house, her seven-year-old daughter's grandmother's house, so that the two could spend the day together while she went to work. And later that day, Elisa, she received a phone call. There had been a car accident And like I said, she shared her story with me in a recent Daily Signal documentary. So I want to play just a few moments of that documentary so you all can just hear from from Elisa's mouth what she experienced on March 13th. In my head, there was just no way something could have happened to Amelia. It wasn't until I got to the scene that they told me it was my mom and Amelia. I remember hearing just sirens. I remember hearing yelling. I just kept yelling, where's Amelia? I saw my family members were there. I saw my dad. I heard my dad yelling. So Lisa was told that her daughter and her mother had both been killed because of a human smuggler. The man had 11 illegal aliens in his car. He was running from the police going over 100 miles an hour when he crashed into Maria Tambunga's car, who... She had her granddaughter in the backseat of the car, her seven-year-old 
granddaughter. And, you know, we we hear a lot of numbers constantly about what is happening at our southern border, that Customs and Border Protection has encountered over six million people at the southern border since the start of the Biden administration. At least 3.4 million illegal aliens have been allowed into America or evaded authorities under the Biden administration. Um, That's more than the population of about 20 states that, you know, the Biden administration has lost contact with 85,000 migrant children who entered the country unaccompanied. We know that hundreds of thousands of American lives have been lost to fentanyl overdoses. That fentanyl is believed to have come through our southern border. And it becomes so easy to just get lost in numbers and bad news, like we talked about, But it's so important to remember that each and every one of those people, those lives, uh, that's a person. It's a face. Every American that's died of fentanyl, that's someone's child, someone's sister, someone's brother, someone's parent. And so Maria and Amelia Tambunga, in many ways, they're the faces of our border crisis. They're two American citizens who uh, were out for an evening drive on the way home to have dinner with their family. And in a moment, their lives were ended because a human smuggler ignored the law and was recruited on TikTok, according to Elisa, and drove uh, 11 illegal aliens into the country or picked them up at the border and was smuggling them into the country. Now, I think... um, you know, you can have a lot of thoughts when you watch a documentary like this. It's something that's powerful, but also sobering. And uh, when I was working on producing it, I had a few moments where it's like, why am I in such a bad mood? And I was like, oh, because I'm in the weeds of something really heavy. And I, I would be curious to hear from you all. Just what, what, were your, what were your thoughts as you watched this documentary? Oh, my heart just broke. I mean, it's, it's hard to... As a mom of a seven-year-old daughter, it is, it is hard to hear of another mother's loss. And I, my, I just tear up um, for that poor mom. And this is recent, too. This mm-hmm. is just back in March, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but this ought to galvanize us to take concrete action. Like, we, we, these two wonderful souls should not have died in vain. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly from, a, from some guy who had this on Facebook Live, you mm-hmm. know, this is somebody who was not caring about the value of life. And we ought to take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just echoing that a little bit. I think, <laughs> first of all, the documentary was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. But it also humanized exactly what you're saying everything so so well um i mean she lost her mother but she also lost her daughter who had so so many years ahead of her mm-hmm. we have absolutely no idea what god's plan would have been and uh, or i mean he has perfect plans so i'm not saying um that but, but yeah. it's um like what could she have gone on to do yeah. and that's right. kind of the question i also think about sometimes when we talk about abortion is mm, what could that yeah. baby have done for us mm. like there are so many people out there that like in a moment, have changed the world so significantly mm-hmm. um, it, for all of humanity. And it's just, yeah, my heart breaks for humanity. Yeah, yeah, such a hard situation. Well, we we usually take a break here before crowning our problematic one of the week. But I, I want to go ahead and just go right 
into doing that. And we're, we're crowning Elisa Tambunga as our problematic woman of the week because she's a woman who is not gaining anything from choosing to speak out and share what is a really, really personal and really, really difficult story. And I asked her, I said, why are you... Why are you essentially choosing to relive this, to share mm-hmm. your story mm-hmm. and to let the public know, to let members of Congress know? She testified before Congress a few months ago. Why share? And she said, well, I, I just don't want what happened to me and my family to happen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that is the heart and that's the warning of why we wanted to be a part of helping her share her story is to let the American people know what's happening at the border and to put some healthy pressure on our leaders to say there are real solutions that can be put in place to help prevent future situations like this, future lives lost in cases of high-speed crashes with human smugglers. Tragically, the death of Maria and Amelia Tambunga, it's it's not a one-off. This this has happened before, and unless something changes, it'll happen again. And so um, I'm just so impressed by Elisa Tambunga and her willingness to share. And so we will leave a link in today's show notes so you all can check out the full documentary. It's also on the Daily Signal YouTube. Uh, but thanks so much for just for, uh, for joining us today, for your willingness to um, to support people like Elisa Tambunga by hearing her story and um, just really applaud her for her bravery and speaking out. But with that, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. And Marguerite, thank you so much for being here today and joining us. Thank you. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And then in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. It really does make a difference. We've had a very heavy show today. Yeah, I, feel I like. know, I know. We started light and then it just got heavier and heavier and heavier. It's the times we are in right now, but we were made for these times. Amen. Exactly. We're well equipped. Hold on strong. Get yourself a pumpkin spice latte and or, hug your kids. Hug, hug your, your kids. kids. <laughs> Keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. We'll be back with you all next week. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.